in ladies and gentlemen bienvenidos señoras y señores this is the nai ball podcast it is season five episode two i am your host as always who did not introduce himself last week till the very end of the show robbie gutierrez here with you at rob g1063 on twitter for season five episode number two of the nai ball podcast super excited to be here with you this is what we've got this week in the show breaking it down for you. We're going to talk Dak stats and Presto sports and kind of the conundrum and headache it has caused for the players, the coaches and the fans, as well as the media out there. We're going to talk big series of the week in review. We're going to look at our week in review, a couple of big series from Palm beach all the way to Cali that we're going to have to talk about this week. We've got our NAI ball podcast hitter pitcher and team of the week for week number two games and series that you need to be watching from around the nation. And our big series of the week gets a double dose here in week number two. But first, ladies and gentlemen, I have to introduce to you the foremost authority on NAI baseball, Mr. Cody Butler. Cody, what's going on, baby? Man, I know you're going to ask me if I'm fired up this week, and you know I am. Usually this early in the season, we do not get to see Robbie this fired up. I mean, it's January 31st. We're getting Robbie fired up in January, and I cannot wait to get into that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, but it's going to be a little bit of a rant coming up here, but you know, and I'm going to start a rant. Let's start it off early, Cody. Let's start off the rant early. One of the biggest changes to NAI baseball this season was not on the field. It did not happen in the dugout and it did not happen in the clubhouse. It happened online in a stats portal. The NAI has gone away from DAC stats. And there have been several people now, SIDs, who have told us that DAC was not willing, you know, it was not going to be part of their business model going forward. They weren't going to be changing the scoreboard or other amenities. They hadn't had a, they haven't had an improvement really to any of the functions in the last 15 years. And it looks like it. It looks like something straight out of the early 90s. It looks very .txt. It looks very primitive. It looks very simple. Simple can be good. Now, fast forward. We heard about this last March. So we actually had told y'all this was coming. A change was coming. Now, originally we had been hurt, we had been told and we had heard that the NAI was moving away from DAC. Conflicting stories still happen. Did we move away from DAC? Did DAC move away from us? Is it a mutual move? We're not really sure on this end. To be honest with you, there's not enough conversations between us and Kansas City to have that. What we do know, though, is we have moved over to Presto Sports. And Cody, I think I can speak for outside of the SIDs in the 80s because the the SIDs, some SIDs, not all of them, but some SIDs have told us that it is fantastic for them. And that's great. And there are ADs in our mentions and in our DMs who have told us This is good for us. And that's great. That's great. The end product, though, is not for the SID or the AD. The end product is for the player, the coach, the fan, the media. And while there may only be 
three, maybe four true pieces of media at this level. And two of them are on this podcast. 50% of the true media at this level is on this podcast. We're lost. We can't find anything. We don't know where to look. And so I'm kind of confused, Cody, and correct me if I'm wrong here, to get told that Presto's fantastic. But when I go to the team's page where everything is supposed to be cleaner and the interface is nicer, Cincinnati Christian doesn't have athletics and hasn't had athletics in a couple of years now. Balding is not an NAI program. There are multiple schools on the NAI stats page who are not playing NAI baseball or in the NAI. Edward Waters, who's a Division II. There's no way to really look at the whole situation. The mobile stats look terrible. As somebody who works in digital, 90% of the people who work in a, who come to our website that I work for in our market are mobile in an area that's pretty behind in technology. And 90% of our web traffic is mobile. So while desktop stats look great for Presto Sports, I can't imagine that there's a whole lot of people, coaches, players, fans, media around the nation using desktop. It's all mobile and it looks clunky and cluttered and you can't follow it without having multiple windows just within that one page being switched back and forth. The scoreboard feature, Cody, is nice. Can we agree on that? I, I think that's the only improvement we see, though, across the board. But I can no longer click on the school and go straight to their stats page and see what who the big player is, what their schedule looks like. There's no way to cycle between schools. There's no historical data. There's no, no way to cycle without backslashes in the URL between conferences. There's one straightaway standings page, and I get it. I get it. Dak wasn't willing to do any of this. This was born out of, quote, unquote, necessity, and that Presto is still in, in process of making improvements. And, and my big thing, Cody, is, is that while this may be great, again, we have been told by multiple people now, especially ADs, that this is great for the SID, which is fantastic. Being an SID is hard. I was an SID in college. I was a sports information director coaching baseball going as a full-time student, interim sports information director. And you've got coaches asking questions. You've got people around asking questions. You've got to stat a game. You've got to do PA. You've got to write a story. There's a lot going on and a lot to do. But you know, you know the stats. And so it's, it's crazy because the people we should be catering to are the ones that are taking in, that are visiting our website, that are taking in the information. I mean, Cody, what, what are your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah, and I made the same point over and over and over that you have made about this does not help your target audience. When we get the reply that this is great for the SID, I mean, no offense, think about how selfish that comes across to everyone else. Like you were the 5%, 10% max of the audience here. 90%, like you said, are players, coaches, parents, fans. And it's terrible for all of them. I mean, it's just, it doesn't look good across the board right now. I don't think Presto would tell you it looks good across the board right now if they're being honest with themselves. It's sloppy. I've said it over and over on social media. And like you said, we've gotten legit two athletic directors that we've never spoken to in our five years of NAIA baseball. Our five years doing this, we had two 80s we've never even talked to jump in our DMs because we put out a tweet the other day trying to explain to us why it is better, 
and why their method is quicker and more efficient. And like Robbie said, we don't disagree that it's more efficient for your SIDs. And if it saves your guy an hour, it could, so be it. Make it look cleaner. Like I said, and like to your point, well, if DAX sets was not the way, okay, that's fine. We're not arguing that. Why is Presto? Presto right now looks horrible. I knew change would be hard. I knew change would be difficult. We understood that when you do something every day for five years and you switch it up, it's not going to be what you want, but it's not acceptable. I mean, this is just unacceptable, right? This is just not a good product. And like, this is not just our opinion. Talk to any head baseball coach in the NAI. Find me one head baseball coach in the NAI that likes this. Find me one parent in the NAI that likes this over Dax has. It's, it does not look good. It, it does not. And again, I'm all for, as, as somebody who was an SID in their prior life, like I'm all for making those lives easier. But at the same time, Cody, you are 100% right. You're not the one taking in all the information. You're not. And I'm glad it's easier. But, but at the end of the day, it, it's not just us that matters, you and me. It's, you know, mom in Puerto Rico who's trying to watch her son play in California or in La República Dominicana or in Venezuela or wherever. It, you know, they can be in McAllen, Texas, and their kid plays at Texas Wesleyan nine hours away in the same state, nine hours away, and they can't make every game in the weekend. And they're working. And they got to check the stats in their loss. They can't see the score. And so they give up, they stop caring, they stop watching, they'll just wait for Mijo to come home and tell them what the score was and what happened in the game. And that's not what we should be doing. It feels rushed. It feels just thrown together. It feels like, oh, we're leaving Dak. Here we go. Just do it. Get it out there. Nobody's going to notice. Subpar effort, subpar results. And we've said that too many times. Our goal here, our goal here is not just to cover the game. We're not just up. Yep, here we go. Uh, this happened today. This happened today. This was a score. Great season, everyone. Like, no, we want to see change. Last year, we compl- we railed and railed and railed and railed on the way that the postseason tournament was going to be. And in a different episode, we will talk about how that's gotten changed. And we're excited about that. In p- prior years, we've railed. We have an agenda. We do, if you haven't guessed it by now. And it's to make the sport the best it can be. That's what we want to see because we love this sport from the inside out, not from the outside in. So I just don't understand, Cody, why it's okay. And and furthermore, what disappoints me the most is to have an aid is to have multiple ADs tell us that we're totally wrong on this. Because we're not speaking for just you and me, but tons of people who have reached out to us is the is it awful no it's not totally terrible oh my gosh we're gonna change our name to d2 ball like no but is it in is it not what we need at this level is it not ready to go does it make us look sloppy it does and that's the whole point of trying to change thinking about the nai and it's just it's just man at the end of the day it's just it's poor because the, these these guys work so hard to get just their their five minutes of, of talk about them on a show that, you know, gets downloaded a thousand times an episode because for some of them, it's the only time they'll ever get talked about in their baseball careers. So put your best foot forward. That's just my opinion on it, Cody. I, I just, 
you know, I think you and I are in, in the same boat of, of disappointment with this. Yeah, I'm just really afraid that it's going to affect our coverage. Like you said at the beginning of the year, we're going to miss some things, you know, and that's just unfortunate. Like we had maxed out everything DAC stats had to offer. And like we were really taking care of it. And we're talking about tracking their data from 2006 on with the career stuff. Like to me, DAC stats was at its peak last year. And like you said, the historical data, and I've heard that they're moving the historical data over here. And good, I've they heard should. That for why six is it not, months. Yeah, why is it not there by now? I don't understand. Like, what were they doing before? And I'm just afraid that, you know, you said you got a kid for Bethany, 19 RBIs. We didn't know about to the last minute this week. Like, this is the kind of stuff where I'm afraid we're going to miss. And that's just really not good for the game. I think what the biggest thing is, is with Presto, it's literally just statistics with where DAC stats, it was an overview of everything. You could see conference standings on the Division One page. It had all 19 conferences with their updated standings right there on the page, ready to go. You know what an asset that is, not to just me, but anyone? It like, is literally huge. anyone. It's an asset to everyone. That is gone. Like, that is completely gone. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think we've made our point on this one, and, and I get it. Again, glad it's easier for the SIDs. I'm, I'm super happy for them. At the same time, I'm... I'm I'm glad the NAI showed some initiative and you know, if something wasn't going to improve, they made, they made a push to try to improve something, but it wasn't a step in the right direction. And you cannot go through a season and say, Oh, well, it was just for the season or, you know, not when you're trying to change minds and opinions and, and all of that about yourself and what your level stands for and who you are. We'll we'll see what happens, man. I mean, this is, it's going to be interesting and, and we'll definitely something we hope to see some, improvements along the way but cody shall we move on here to our big series of the week review and we said we were going to go from palm beach to cali and we'll start in cali our big series of the week was william jessup versus antelope valley william jessup takes the series against antelope valley two to one four three William Jessup, 7-4 William Jessup, and Antelope Valley able to salvage game number three by a score of 7-3. This series lived up to the hype. It was everything we expected it to be. Really close games, all three games. Uh, The game was tied in the ninth inning of game one, the sixth inning of game two, and the eighth inning of game three, just to show you how close it was throughout. Very competitive series. William Jessup rallied in the ninth inning of game one, trailed by a run, drew three straight walks. The closer for UAV came in, walked three straight, and, uh, yeah, that's usually going to cost you in a one-run game. Dustin McElwain for William Jessup was able to deliver a go-ahead single. Uh, Jessup put up two runs in the ninth, and they stole it. Came back the next day. That game was 2-2 to two in the sixth inning. Jessup was able to scrap a run. They took a 4-3 to three lead in the eighth and then broke it open in that eighth inning. They scored three more runs, ended up winning 7-3. to three. Isaiah Rodriguez pitched three scores innings. Marlon Brucato picked up a save for Jessup, so he had save in game one and two of the series. Third game in the series, getaway game for Valley. They were able to steal it, and they needed it. It was a 3-3 three to three game in the eighth, but they were able to break it open. Two RBI single by Tyler Pruitt. Game pitching RBI triple by Eddie Tejada. Pioneers actually threw a one-hitter in game three, a nine-inning one-hitter, but gave up three runs off six walks. If UAV can limit the walks, they're going to be really good. Jessup's already shown this year they're going to be really good. Just a really fun competitive series. Yeah, a big turn for William Jessup this year, it looks like. Uh you know, really exciting for them because that's a huge series. Those are two teams with history, and those are two of the better teams on the West Coast playing each other early on in the season. A huge series win for William Jessup, but a great job done by UAV to go ahead and salvage that third game, Cody. Our week in review is going to start off with the Palm Beach. 
Mobile versus Kaiser Cody was absolutely fantastic of a series. Mobile wins the series. They upset Kaiser two games to one. 9-7 KU in the first game, but then it was 2-1 Mobile, 7-6 Mobile in a great series. Absolutely fantastic series. In my opinion, the best of the weekend. Uh, what a job by Mobile to go down to West Palm and take a series off the top 10 team. Kaiser was able to break open the first game. In the sixth and seventh inning, they had massive home runs. Brandon McCabe came in and shut the door, struck out three in an inning. They're just really good stuff by him. Game two was a crazy game, scoreless game in the sixth inning of a seven-inning contest. Lex Singleton, two RBI double for the Rams. Mobile goes up 2-0 in the seventh. Kaiser gets their chance. They load the bases, nobody out. RBI single, 2-1 to one game. Had runners on second and third with one out. But Mobile was able to close the door. Caleb Coffey struck out the final two batters, and they stranded those runs on second and third. And then hats up to Mobile clutching up in game three. Similar situation. Mobile led 5-1. to one. Kaiser came all the way back, jumped on top 6-5 to five in the eighth inning. And then Mobile, two RBI double by Blake Roberts. Really good stuff by him. Trevor Wells finished the game in relief. He also homered in game three. Just a really good job by Mobile. These games were very, very close, man. I mean, just really competitive series. You know, that's exactly what you want to see early on. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a very competitive series early on. From Mobile, you have to feel good about that moving forward because I think it's easy to say that the SSAC looks like one of the better conferences in the nation uh, this year, at least on paper. Again, everything pretty much is still on paper because a lot of teams haven't started their seasons yet. But uh, I think the SSAC is going to be a really good conference this year. Mobile has to feel good about that one, taking a team that's basically top three every single season in what is the best conference, you know, year in, year out of NAI baseball in the sun uh, to, to go ahead and do that from a team who just went to Lewiston, who has pieces back from that team, who, you know, uh, had wins in Lewiston, got, you know, be able to, to take that from them and take the series in their home park. Really, really, really exciting for UM. Uh, I think for Mobile, it's it's definitely something to build off of. The Coach Calderon Invitational happened back out into the West Coast we go. And at the Coach Calderon Invitational, Cody, this is the way it went. San Diego Christian went 0-4. Oklahoma Panhandle State went 1-3. Embry-Riddle, Arizona went 2-2. Kansas Wesleyan went 2-3. Eastern Oregon went 2-2. Taylor went 2-2. Benu Mesa went 2-2. The Masters went 2-2. Uh, Mid American Nazarene MNU went two and one. College of Idaho went three and one. And Arizona Christian goes four and oh. What a start to the season for ACU. Yeah, man. Arizona Christian has been really good. I mean, they another candidate for team of the week again. Uh, just a six and oh start to the year. Like you said, they picked up two big wins over Taylor and Mid American Nazarene. Just really impressed with this club. They're finding a way to score so many runs without the benefit of home run. They're hitting for a high average. They're hitting 350 as a club. They have a 294 ERA through six games. Can't be impressed enough with Justin Ramirez, the center fielder. He's hitting 591 with 10 runs, four doubles. Third baseman Manny Villa is hitting 381 with four doubles and eight runs. Sergio Huerte, 318 ERA, 16 strikeouts in 11 innings. Arizona Christian has been big time. By the time this podcast comes out, I believe we said they'll be playing Lewis Clark State. So I'm really excited to see what they can do to that. We're looking forward to head to that matchup. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Arizona Christian cannot talk enough about them. They are looking really good this year. Coach McDonald and Arizona Christian off to a really good start. The Masters will be featured later in the show. We'll talk about them. Uh, but for for Ben Mesa, Cody, 2-2 two and two to start the campaign. Been a little bit of a, of a, a back-and-forth one for them. A little rocky to start the season. 
Yeah, this, but everything's out in front of them at Benio. I really think that this Benio team is going to be really good. We've talked to Coach who recently picked up his 100th win. Congrats to him on that. Over the weekend, he got his 100th win, and I think they're going to be good. I think they're a good program. I think you saw at Antelope Valley, they dropped a series this weekend, too. St. Catherine had a tough weekend playing some really good teams. I know they dropped one to Vanguard. So I just think that Benio, just keep doing your thing, play some good teams early, test yourself, and get ready to roll in the cowpack. That's the one thing they've definitely done early on in the season is test themselves, something that you don't always see from around the nation. Take it back out to the south. LSU Shreveport took on Cumberland, and LSUS sweeps Cumberland by scores of 10-3, 7-0, 12-8, and 7-2. Yeah, I think me and you actually came away most impressed with Shreveport over the weekend. Just really dominant stuff. I mean, they controlled every game early. Uh, 36 runs across four games against a Cumberland team that, you know, we're high on with Coach Ryan and his staff. We brought in some good transfers. We think they're going to be a pretty good club. Zion Avery, two home runs, six RBIs. Josh Wannenberg, Josh Wannenberg, what a dude. Three home runs, a double, and nine RBIs. Bobby Bass, who's a pitcher that pitched out in Arizona Juco, was told that he's going to come in and be a dude for them, and he went five shutout innings. I mean, he did just that. Uh, just really impressed with that program. Uh, Shreveport looks really good again this year. I'm excited to see what they do this weekend. I mean, honestly, Kokomo's got some really good pieces. They're a team that we thought would be third in their conference, so we're looking forward to see what they can do. That'll be a very interesting series to watch, see if LSUS can continue that that dominating streak that they've been on because really of those games, only the 12-8 one was close, and it really didn't feel that close uh, you know, in the later stages there. But LSUS, extremely impressed with them. They looked big. They looked physical. They looked good coming out there against a, a Cumberland team that you and I expect to be better this year uh, than, than, you know, they, they've been maybe in the last year or so. So really, really, really impressive stuff from LSUS. Cody, we didn't talk about him too much last week. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time we talk about Lewis Clark State. They went on their annual Cali trip. They're currently 4-0. They've defeated Westmont 5-3. They beat Vanguard 16-3, and then they beat Hope International 5-4, and they won the first game 5-4 on a runner leaving early at second base uh, call that went to the umpires. The umpires called them out. I initially had told you that it looked like the runner had left early on the video call, and then it won a 2-1 comeback where they were down 1-0 in the final inning. Wednesday and Thursday, they will play Arizona Christian. Here's how LC looks so far this year. Hitting-wise, 252 average as a team. Not super looky-loo, but it just it always feels like they're getting that clutch hit when they need it. But their staff, and you know I'm a big pitching guy, 265 staff ERA in 34 innings pitch for LC as a staff. They're starting pitchers. These are their numbers so far. Trent Sellers, five and two-thirds innings pitch, three hits, six strikeouts, one earned run. Dawson Day, Four innings pitch, two hits, no runs, two strikeouts. Eric Javaria, seven innings pitch, six hits, one earned, six strikeouts. And Drake Borshawa, four and two-thirds, five hits, one earned run, four Ks. You put all of that together, Cody, out of their 34 innings that they've played so far this year. Starting pitching has gone 21 and a third innings pitch, 16 hits, three earned runs, 18 strikeouts for an ERA of 1.27. Their hits and their strikeout numbers aren't don't look super elite, but they're getting the outs and they're getting out of innings and they're not letting runs cross. Just three earned runs amongst four different starting pitchers. It's been an impressive start for the Warriors. 
Yeah, it hasn't been. LC's looked pretty good. Uh, we knew that they were going to be good. I mean, every year they're a top five team. Trent Sellers on the mound is really a huge. We saw it out in Lewis in last year in the World Series. He held Concordia scoreless through eight innings, struck out seven, pitched an absolute gem out there in the World Series last year. I knew he threw a no-hitter over in summer ball for Fremont, threw a no-hitter. So, I mean, obviously coming into this season, I was expecting big things out of him, and he looked good in his start. Chavaria is obviously a guy that was their number one all year last season, and he was really good last year, so we expected him to be good. This is going to be a good LC team. I think they're never going to hit for high average like a lot of these teams. They're going to thump it. They're going to hit a lot of home runs at their part. Obviously, they lost some really good hitters last year. They lost Brock Efon. They lost a Jack Johnson. They lost a Dylan Plew. But I think with Aiden Nagel, the All-American, Riley Way's been there forever. He's been an all-conference player. They're going to be good. This is going to be a good club. Lucas White's a good bat for them. Matt James, the catcher, he hit a big home run for them over the weekend. So I think this is going to be a really good LC club. I think it's going to come down to what it always comes down to them, and that's pitching because uh, they're going to score runs in the World Series. You get them in May and June, they're going to score a lot of runs. I see it every single year. They believe that they've added some pitching depth. They brought in a couple of guys, Dawson Day, Trevin Hope. They pitched already. They're going to bolster their rotation. And as long as they just add quality arms, this is a team that could win a national title. It, it really is. Uh, it it really is. And that's 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 a uh, something that, that we're going to have to talk about down the road because they are still getting into the to the tournament. They're still getting into the tournament. There's one team guaranteed into the tournament, and it's LCSC. They're still an auto bid in in a way, shape, or form. Uh, on top of that, they are. There's one less team nationally making the tournament. We did not expand the field by one spot. We shrunk it by one spot. So, uh, I definitely think that pitching wise, they are going to be legit. Their their offense maybe hasn't stepped up to that point yet. But the pitching wise, they are going to be legit. Trent Sellers, like you said, is somebody that we've heard about in in quite a few capacities that has uh, a lot of buzz about him. And and I think that this is going to be a really interesting LC team to watch down the road. I'm interested to see this uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday swing here of what they do. Obviously, we'll be done with this podcast when that comes out. Those results have not happened yet. The show, the you know, some of those games will have happened when the show comes out. I'm really interested to see. But so far, so good in this California trip for LC. I thought the team that would give them the most problems, which was Vanguard, is a team that they beat soundly. So it will be super interesting to see what happens the rest of the way there. Cody, we move on here from our week in review into our NAI Ball podcast, Hitter Pitcher of the Week, as well as what is going on with our Team of the Week. And uh, we will go ahead and start with, we have two hitters of the week. And our first hitter of the week is Joe Johnson at Vanguard, who is hitting 455 average with, you know, nine runs, three home runs, 12 RBIs, and four stolen bases to start the year. And then David Espinal from Bethany, who this weekend hit four home runs and had 19 RBIs. So those are our two hitters of the week, co-hitters of the week. Pitcher of the week is Jose Fernandez out of Ave Maria, who went seven-inning no-hitter with four strikeouts versus Ohio Christian. It is the first no-hitter for Ave Maria in school history. It is also, that is a team that has had a guy steal five bases in one game, a guy hit three home runs in one game, and now throw a no-hitter in Jose Fernandez. The team of the week, Cody, is Mobile. We went back and forth on this one, 
But Mobile upsets number eight Kaiser two games to one, and they are our team of the week. Any thoughts on our players of the week this week in week number two? Oh, man. So we normally don't do the co-player of the week thing. We're not a fan of that. But there's only two matchups on Sunday. So after Saturday night, we said Joe Johnson, he was incredible this week. But shout out to him for getting his 30th collegiate home run in his career. He's also a gold glove winner. He's just been a guy there that's been at Vanguard for a very long time. And he's very good, just incredibly productive player. But we thought, okay, Saturday night, we got this in the bag. And then we found out Sunday, one of the two matchups, David Espinal just goes off, man. 19 RBIs. He did it in two days. I mean, that is incredible. When you put it in perspective, that 94 led the country last year. And my mind, my man's over 20% of the way there after two days. I mean, I just, I don't know what he's going to do this year, but that is honestly an incredible start. It wasn't the four home runs. We've seen four home runs. He went 14 for 21 at the plate, which that is insane too. Let's just say that. That is insane. But we've seen that. I don't know that we've seen 19 RBIs in a weekend. Like not even for the weekend, in a weekend. That's really insane. That's really insane. And it's crazy because I feel like Joe Johnson just has his name written on, on one of these early parts of the year, player of the week things. And it, it's just crazy because David Espinal just was like, hey, here's 19 RBIs. Just insane. It was absolutely insane. And you're right, Joe Johnson, an eyeball player of the week early in the year last year as well. He does. He comes to play. That guy comes out of the gate swinging. <laughs> he is excited for baseball. And then for Mobile, like you said, it was a tough contest for us. But Mobile, you go on the road to a top 10 team and you take two out of three and you were in that third game as well. It was just a really good series between both of those teams. And I think, it looked, like you said, it looks good for Mobile. It looks good for the Southern States. That conference is looking really strong this year. It really is. So congratulations to our hitter, pitcher, and team of the week, which is Joe Johnson, David Espinal, Jose Fernandez, and the University of Mobile. Cody, I have to mention something really quickly that's kind of off topic. Uh, next Monday, the ABCA podcast comes out. And uh, this comes out on Wednesday and we have an announcement that we have not made public yet to the world uh, that we should probably let them know. Uh, is, is that something that you think as far as awards go that we should let them know now because they're going to know about it next Monday. Time to let the cat out of the bag, my friend. It is. So we had grand plans for all of this, but things have gotten in the way. We're all working. Even in turn is working. And, you know, time is of the essence. So this has been something that we have been working very hard on since the summer. It is something that Cody and I discussed in great detail about how we would go about this. And we feel that our mission and our goal is to continue to expand the sport. And the way that we expand the sport is not just by looking forward like we like to do. The way we expand the sport is by honoring our past. So it is with great excitement that I announce to you in conjunction with the Baseball Hall of Fame and with his family, going forward, the NAI Ball Player of the Year Award will now be known as the Lou Brock Award, given to the best position player in the nation who shows both class and excellence on and off the field. This has been an intense labor of love and caring, and it could not be done without the Lubrock family, and it could not be done without the Baseball Hall of Fame. 
So thank you to those two organizations, the Lubrock Foundation, as well as the Baseball Hall of Fame, for helping us get here and allowing us to name our first ever award, the Lubrock Award, given to the best NAI ball player position player nationally we are excited the brock family is excited this is going to be something that is really great cody i I just think that that i know we had these grand plans for it and we will still do a grand graphic down the road when we you know design something for it and we'll do a video for it but but still i think this is something that we needed to let them know before uh they hear it on another show those that don't know uh lou brock went to southern and nai institution back in the day and uh, won a national title in 1959. Lou Brock hit 545 with 13 home runs, won the national title. It was the first time an African-American team ever won a national title. Uh, so it's just a huge deal for Lou Brock, for Southern, and for us. I mean, I think it's just incredible to have a player of that stature, who's obviously an icon, to name this award after that, and someone that played NAI baseball. I mean, we talk about all the greats that played NAI baseball. Lou Brock's probably the greatest. So it's just really special for us. I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. So uh, again, this is super exciting for Cody, I, and as well for Connor. Uh, This is something that we're super excited about and have worked extremely hard to make happen, Uh, you know, from getting in touch with people in Cooperstown to getting in touch with, with Lou Brock's family. So it is, it has been just absolutely something special. We are super excited to do this and, and we, we couldn't be happier to share that with y'all here on the show before it came out. Uh, nationally so cody we move on weekend games and series to watch and you said it best before we started recording it is february we have no idea who's going to actually play who who's going to actually end up where we've deleted we've added several matchups throughout since we've been setting this page up this week uh as soon as you know we're done with the show we basically start planning for the next show and it has been crazy because we have deleted, taken off, added back on. But these are the games and series to watch if they happen. There's supposed to be weather all over the country this weekend. I'm supposed to go to San Antonio. It's going to be something like into the 20s. Absolutely wild. But Middle Georgia versus Ave. Kaiser versus Columbia International. Freed Hardeman takes on Bryant. Central Methodist down in San Antonio against Our Lady of the Lake. OCU is hosting its triangular as always. Cumberland takes on GGC. Taylor versus Tennessee Southern. UBC will play in a triangular with Park Gilbert and Arizona Christian. Georgetown versus Point. Oklahoma Wesleyan versus Lyon. McPherson versus Benedictine. And then how about a welcome in? Iowa Wesleyan takes on Louisiana Christian. So welcome to the NAI. Oakland City takes on Johnson. A welcome to the NAI, Cody. This is going to be an interesting weekend because things are still shifting as we go. Absolutely, man. With the weather, you know how it goes, man. Every other weekend, teams are playing teams we had no idea they were playing. It just really throws us for a loop. Really good schedule this weekend. I mean, I really feel like it's a really good schedule. There's a sneaky matchup I'm going to throw out at you that's not listed here, and that's Olivet Nazarene on the road in Georgia at Truett McConnell. Uh, Olivet Nazarene won the CCAC last year. Uh, They're conference champions. Dropped three of four at Truett McConnell last season. They're making a return trip. I wonder if Olivet Nazarene is going to go down there and win that series. I'm really looking forward to seeing that one too. As the ones, as for the ones you mentioned, Georgetown at Point, I really like those two teams. I think they're kind of comparable a lot of years. I'm excited to see what happens with that one. Cumberland and GGC, 
man, I feel bad for Cumberland. What a tough schedule for Ryan Hunt to open. You open at Shreveport, a World Series team. Then you go to Gwinnett, the World Series champions. That's a really tough start for Cumberland. Kaiser and CIU, two teams that dropped series last week. Seeing what they do to bounce back, I'm really looking forward to that one as well. It will be interesting. I think uh, True McConnell's a pretty young team this year. It'll be interesting to see if Olivet Nazarene, you know, can can you know force some miscues there, get a feel for themselves early on in the season. Really interesting to see because that is a team that we think once again is going to win uh, the CCAC and, and at least you know in our minds be super comp- ultra competitive in that conference. Cody, moving on to our big series of the week, and we had one. We had a second added on at about 3 p.m. Central Time today. But, Cody, the first big series of the week that we're going to go over is Texas Wesleyan jumping on a plane, heading out west to California where they will take on the Masters. Texas Wesleyan is 4-0. They outscored Wiley 77-5. They're hitting 393 as a team. Their team ERA is 1-2-9. Corey Didier. 1-0 one and zero with a two two five ERA. He's one of the few players with an ERA. Gave up one run in four innings pitch, but he struck out eight on one hit. Has a a WHIP below one point two five. Hitting wise, Marco Sanchez is eight for ten. He's got an eight hundred average with eight hits, twelve runs, a home run, four RBIs, and then Joseph Barfield, a five hundred average, six hits, five runs, one home run, nine RBIs for the Masters. They're five and two. They did not look super great uh, at neutral. They lost to two teams, Cody, that historically you would expect them to beat. Credit to those two teams who did not think that that moment was too big for them. Went out there and got it done. Oklahoma Panhandle State, Embry-Riddle, Arizona. But the Masters at home is 3-0. and They're hitting 287 as a team. Their team ERA is 435. Zachary Philos, former NAI ball pitcher of the week in week number one, was has a 138 ERA with a 2-0 record, 13 innings pitched, 10 strikeouts, a 204 opponent average. Hitting-wise, Evan Banks is hitting 474 with nine hits, five extra base hits, and seven RBIs. Joshua Lee hitting 348 with eight hits and nine RBIs. I think this is an excellent big series of the week when Texas Wesleyan, who put up runs at will, travels to California. Is it too early to call them the greatest baseball team ever assembled? After last week, he scored 77 <laughs> runs. I mean, that is honestly really impressive stuff. Yeah, I think me and you are really excited about this matchup. You get teams from conferences that never meet, like the Sooner Athletic and the GSAC, like throw them together, I'm in. I am really in. What a trip for those kids, for Texas Wesleyan to go out to California. That'll be really fun for them. And I think these teams are pretty comparable, honestly. I think that most years, these are two really good programs. These are two programs that you see, man, this is a fun little matchup. Like you said, the three-hole for the Masters has been getting it done. Evan Banks, he's been unreal. Their leadoff hitter, Will Bats, he's already got five stolen bases. Uh, this is a, both teams that can really swing the bat. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it'll be an offensive series. Uh, Zachary Philos, you mentioned he was our player of the week last week for the Masters. He's 2-0 with a 1-3-8 ERA. I would like to see what he can do against an offense for Texas Wesleyan that scored like 500 runs. Grayson Barrett for the Rams, two home runs already this year. He hit 14 a year ago. Uh, Tomas Sanchez, Marcos Sanchez, two outfielders for Texas Wesleyan. They're tearing it up. I mean, you start the year hitting 571, and then the other outfielder goes 8 for 10. Uh, they're going to be swinging it. And I think playing in California, you know how those parks fly. I mean, they love to hit home runs out there. Uh, and it's going to be a lot of runs. I think this is a really good matchup. I think it's going to be a great matchup. I think that this is really, before we even had all of these changes, this is one series that you and I were super excited about. 
So I think this is a great big series of the week for us. But we have a second dose, Cody, of big series of the week. And this one is going to be fantastic. It is Dogs, Grenadiers 3, the third series, or third time, really, these teams will meet. This time in Athens, Tennessee, a three-game series. They're going to play a 9-7-9. IU Southeast is going to be having their first games of the season against Tennessee Wesleyan. They return 21. Hunter Clucky, 9-1 with a 3-0-1 ERA. 68 and two-thirds innings pitch, 65 strikeouts. Brody Tanksley at the plate and behind the plate. 346 average, 82 hits, 18 home runs, 70 RBIs. Clay Wiesty. 374 average, 92 hits, 8 home runs, 55 RBIs, and 38 stolen bases for the Grenadiers, who are returning just about every single player from last season. For Tennessee Wesleyan, the first games of the year are actually tomorrow on Tuesday against West Virginia Tech. They return three players who made the preseason all-in-AI ball team. Pitcher Kobe Foster has a 1.83 ERA with a 12-0 record, 88 and third innings pitch, 106 strikeouts. Robert Gonzalez. 180 ERA with an 11-0 record, 75 innings pitch, 82 strikeouts. They return Carson Ford, who was just on the outside looking in of that preseason All-NAI ball team. He hit 342 with 22 home runs and 72 RBIs and 15 stolen bases. The third member of that team was Zach Hoigason, who hit 354 with 22 home runs and 92 RBIs. They replaced six bats in their lineup, but they returned the best pitching staff in the nation. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, big-time series. Top 10 matchup. Everyone knows the story. Last year, in the beginning of the season, Tennessee Wesleyan swept IUS. And then later down the road, IUS came to Kingsport and shocked the world. I knocked off the undisputed number one team we had hyped up for four months on this show and knocked them off, beat them back-to-back games, went to Lewiston and had some success out there in Lewiston. You know Tennessee Wesleyan. This is a proud program. This is a program that won a national title three years ago. And I think they have goals to do that again this year. So I think it's just a big-time matchup. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's awesome that Tennessee Wesleyan gets a little bit of chance at revenge. You know, they're not going to call it that. It's a different team, different kids. I get all that. But it's going to be a big-time matchup. And these kids are IUS. They know who Tennessee Wesleyan is. And the kids on Tennessee Wesleyan, they know who IUS is. And I just think it's a high-profile matchup. It is by far our biggest matchup of the early season. These are two teams I predict to make Lewiston. I think they both will. I, I think this is going to be a great matchup. I, I think that this is going to be something really good uh, for the game. It, it's going to be probably the best series of the first two weeks, and I'm I'm super excited to see it. I'm excited to see two teams that that really know each other well battle each other early on in the year. It's just good for everyone. So really, Cody, there's our double dip of big series of the week. It's going to be a really good weekend to start the year before we get going Cody really quickly I think it needs to be mentioned that Nick Herford uh who is at underscore Ephus pitch on Twitter the coverage you know I guess the guy who did all of the small college stuff for perfect game has announced that he is stepping away from that Uh, he's been doing that since 2009 and he's covered d2 d3 and the NAI uh, earlier I had mentioned that really there was three or four dedicated media to this level. <laughs> and there goes one of them. There goes one. And that's that's my fear at the end of the day, Cody, is that things become uh, so hard to move, you know, so hard 
to to do certain things that you know it, it, because this is tiresome at the end of the day we love doing this but we do this for free we don't have a sponsor this year we do this for free and, and it's it's something that that we do out of the kindness of our heart that that we do because we love the sport and we love the relationships and we love the coaches and we love the people and the fans uh but he's stepping away because he just doesn't have the time anymore and it's time consuming. And he did three levels. I can't imagine how time consuming three levels is when look how busy and tired we are at one. I know we're not going to get into his personal life, but he had a real job, like a <laughs> real, real job too. Well, like are a, you saying I, I don't have a, a real job? Uh, I'm not saying you're a superhero fighting crime, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I will say, uh, yeah, no, he was honestly, the other guy that covered NAI baseball to my knowledge, like he is the guy. Like before we started NAI ball, you had perfect game. You had Ephus pitch and he did it really well. I mean, he was really knowledgeable and yeah, perfect game. We'll probably get someone to replace him, but you're replacing a guy that has been covering this level for so long. So it's like, it's going to take the new guy a minute to get into the swing of things. So I, I think Nick does an incredible job. I really like this stuff. People argue top 25 forever. And I used to argue with this top 25, like in myself, mm-hmm. but then we tried to do a top 25 and we we're like, wow, this is way harder than I thought. So it's, it's tough, man. And I thought he did a really good job. We actually had him on the show. I don't know if you remember that. We he did. We were usually, he was our first guest ever. Yeah, he was. Well, no, but that was our guy, Jake McKinley. Shout out to. Oh, Washington you're right. There. You're right. But um, yeah, yeah, he was, he was early on, not to call you out, but I had to stick up for you know, if we're ever going to get MLB tickets or something from McKinley one day, but yeah, no, <laughs> Nick has done a great job. We're sad to see that he's retiring because like I said, we don't have that many people to cover these kids and the more the merrier. Yeah. Just Nick, man. Thank you. You know, uh, there, there's not a lot of people who, who are dedicated, who provide dedicated coverage to this level. And, you know, we don't see it as, as competition or anything like that. Or, you know, we're super thankful to everything that, that you did to, you know, help, grow the name on the front of the Jersey. Um, and just because nobody's ever heard of it doesn't mean that, that the, the game being played at that school is not special. You know, it's special to the kids. It's special to the parents. It's special to the coaches. It's special to us. So we're super thankful for it. And um, you know, we're, whatever goes on next, man, we, we, we wish you the best and, and we understand, you know, it's hard. It's hard, you know, doing one level is hard. I can't imagine three, so, uh, you know, thank you to, to Nick and I'm sure perfect game. will we'll have somebody step into his shoes here at, at some point, um, probably later this year. So looking forward to, to seeing what the future holds there in, in perfect games coverage, but Cody, man, we've had a full show. We've railed against Presto. We've, uh, revealed secrets. We've talked about, uh, Nick's, uh, retirement, <laughs> I guess you could say, uh, it's, it's been a, a very interesting episode with so much information packed into it. Any final thoughts before we get going? Nah, I feel like we covered <laughs> it all, man. You ever had a long show where you're just like, yeah, I think that covers it. Uh, I think LC, I think we already harped on him really good. Didn't talk enough about him last week. I think if they go out in Arizona, they take care of Ben, you take care of Arizona Christian. Then you look at the schedule ahead of them. They won't play a ranked team the rest of the season. They're going to be a super high seed. Um, but other than that, man, I just think that I'm excited to see the Texas Wesleyan Masters. You get Texas versus California. You know, I mean, I'm a high school football guy. So when I think Texas and California, I want to see them compete in anything. Like, I don't care what the sport is. You got a bunch of kids from Texas. You got a bunch of kids from California. I'm really looking forward to that one. I think it'll be a great weekend, man. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully the weather stays out of our way. 
but let's get after it. Let's get after it. Let's get going. So I'm super excited for it. So that'll do it for us this week. For Cody Butler, you can find everything about him at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram. For myself, the host of the NAI Ball podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, at Rob G1063, if you want to talk baseball with me there. So for Cody Butler, for Connor Darnell, I'm Robbie Gutierrez. We'll talk to you again next week here on the NAI Ball podcast. Until then, this has been Season 5, Episode 2. Have a great day, and an even better tomorrow.